Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic with me, journalist Marcus Stead, and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. The coronavirus is now affecting all areas of the globe. Here in the UK, there will be a meeting between Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the Emergency Cobra Committee later this morning to discuss the national response. How concerned should we be? Why is this worse than the conventional strains of flu we experience each and every winter? And is it time to follow the example of other countries and close schools, ban mass gatherings at sporting events and at theatres and so forth? Okay, Greg, it's very early on the morning of Monday, the 2nd of March, 2020. We've had now, during the course of the last week, stories about how coronavirus has spread beyond England into Scotland and into Wales. And we're now at the stage where, on a daily basis in the United Kingdom, there are new cases. Have you got the latest statistics to hand for us, please? Indeed, I have. Let's look at the world figures first to put it in context. There have now been 88,375 cases recorded. Uh, it's still most of them in China, some 79,000 of those in China. But this has led to a morbidity rate 3,100. I predicted about a week ago that it would go over 3,000 by the end of the weekend, and it uh, unfortunately lived down to expectation and went over 3,001 a very short time ago. Of those, we have a very large spread around the rest of the world now. In excess of 60 different countries have coronavirus uh, cases. Some, very few, but it has started. Britain started off with one and it has escalated since then to 36. So it is reasonable to think that almost all countries it will now escalate in. I also think that there are some very iffy points, but we'll come to that in a moment. So why uh, therefore should I be more concerned about this than conventional flu because we know that every winter there are flu bugs going round. There's adverts, posters up, adverts on television sometimes about going for your flu jab and everything else that comes with it. Now we know every winter, particularly if it's a harsh winter, uh, a lot of elderly people die from the flu. It's very sad, but it's not something for wider society to be concerned about. What I'm getting at is what makes what we're experiencing now with the coronavirus different from conventional flu? Why should we be more worried about that than we are with a typical winter bug? The typical winter bug has a morbidity rate amongst those who actually catch it of about 0.1%. Yes, this leads to many deaths, but we're conditioned to that. It's mostly the elderly and the infirm and those with pre-existent conditions. And we also have to accept the fact that all these people die sooner or later. It is only a matter with almost all flu deaths that it's a matter of them dying a little sooner. Flu has to some extent taken over from uh, pneumonia, which was always known as the old man's friend, because it took 
the elderly and the inform, infirm, and it spared them further indignity and knocked a little bit off of the end of their life. We have come to terms with that. On the other hand, coronavirus or COVID-19, as this particular one is called, we don't understand how it works, which is something to be concerned about to start with, because it means we're that much further away from any concept of a vaccine than had it just been another flu. And also, its morbidity is running around about 3% of those who catch it. Well, that's 30 times as lethal. Rather than 0.1%, which is conventional flu, the rate here is 3%, so it's altogether more serious. And do we know the extent to which, okay, as I said, it's obviously sad when elderly people die of flu, but in this case, is it getting younger people as well, or is it predominantly people with breathing issues, respiratory issues, and the elderly again? Do we know the extent of it with this? Uh, yes, the figures are broken down. It is largely the elderly or people with a precondition of some sort, i.e. they have heart problems or they have lung problems anyway or other illnesses, but it is taking uh, the young as well. Uh, I note a baby of a few weeks old died, I think, yesterday, and a number of people who are dying in a younger age group. It is definitely hitting the elderly hardest, but we are now in a case where we've got figures of 3%. Well, if only 1% of those hit people under, shall we say, 50, that's a hell of a lot of people who normally wouldn't have died of flu. And what we are finding out now is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote the journalist Laura Bicker, if I may, and she has used the example of um, South Korea. And in Daegu, uh, 1,900 church members were tested for coronavirus. 1,300 had symptoms, 600 did not. Among those 1,300 with symptoms, 87.5% were confirmed with the virus. But out of the 600 without symptoms, 70% were confirmed to have the virus. So I think what we're getting at here is that point one, the incubation period is very long. It can be 14 days, perhaps longer, and you don't even know you've got it. And point two, it may be that even if you have got it, you as an individual are able to just soldier on, barely noticing it, but you're walking around, you know, you've got droplets of spit and what have you, and it's moving on to somebody else who is affected in a far more severe way which is what I think, okay, you gave us the stat about it being 30 times more deadly than conventional flu. With that in mind, you could have coronavirus, you're a little bit snivelly, or maybe even not that snivelly at all, but you've passed it on to somebody else and it's deadly. That is what is making it so dangerous, do you think? Oh, I would agree with you entirely. And um, South Korea has, in a very short space of time, rocketed up to 3,736 mm. cases. And uh, within the last 24 hours, it's clocked up 586 new cases. Mm. Italy has only 1,694 cases, but it too has clocked up 566 new cases. So you used the example of Italy there, and I'm glad you did because that's what I was going to move on to next. Italy has reacted. In, in quite a severe way with quarantining towns and 
um, high-profile sporting events, particularly Serie A football, is being played behind closed doors this weekend and for the foreseeable future. In Japan, all schools are going to be closed until the end of March at the earliest. We've seen in France as well, uh, President Macron announced the other day that um, gatherings, indoor gatherings of more than 5,000 people are not to be permitted. Uh, we saw the Republic of Ireland, even before their first case was confirmed, they announced that next weekend's scheduled Six Nations rugby match between uh, Ireland and Italy will not take place. In this country, the United Kingdom, there's going to be a meeting, I believe, later this morning of the cabinet. When this meeting takes place, because I think things are going to move quite quickly now, I think what we saw in France, I wouldn't be surprised if that goes from five, no more than 5,000 in an indoor meeting to, I'm sorry, but you can forget the Six Nations rugby and big high-profile football matches. They're not going to happen. I should imagine, Marcus, that Macron is whooping with glee. It means that he can use this to control the crowds that are turning out and protesting against him every single weekend. Uh, yeah, because we're getting the, these yellow vest protesters every single weekend for the last two years. People uh, in Paris and elsewhere in France, there have been the loss of eyes, the loss of limbs, and barely a squeak out of the UK mainstream media. But um, I'm sure we'll be coming back to that in future podcasts. But looking at where we are now, this cabinet meeting in the United Kingdom is due to take place this morning. Looking ahead, okay, life in this country, restrictions on schools. We already know of two schools in Wales, I think, that are, are temporarily closed. What action should be taken? Is this the time to say, sorry, next week's Cheltenham Festival isn't going to happen and follow Italy in, in not allowing football matches to be played and the rugby and so forth and indoor gatherings and indoor arenas of no more than 5,000 following France? Do you think it's time to take that sort of action in the United Kingdom after this morning's cabinet meeting takes place? I would personally say it is at the beginning of the outbreak in a country that that action should be taken. Once you are into larger numbers of people with it, I don't think there's much point in having such action. I think then you have to say it got its hold it has got past the door. It has spread into, albeit thinly, into every room in the house. There is no point in trying to keep it out anymore. But one aspect of it that is concerning me is the government's response so far, because we know about the government's um, refusing to put up ministers on the Today programme on Radio 4 and Newsnight on BBC Two for reasons that I understand. But what we're seeing is that Matt Hancock, who's England's health secretary, but OK, in this context, his authority to a large extent goes beyond England because this virus is not going to respect the Welsh and the Scottish borders, I'm afraid. So he has not appeared on the Today programme or on Newsnight. OK, fine. But as Piers Morgan said on Twitter earlier this evening, he won't appear on Good Morning Britain. Or if he doesn't fancy appearing on a Today programme, go on Nick Ferrari's programme on LBC or Julia Hartley Brewer's programme on Talk Radio. He hasn't done that either. What I'm getting at is, OK, there's going to be this cabinet meeting later this morning, but the lack of communication from the government so far, I think, has been appalling. And I don't think they've handled this at all well. I'm not sure I agree with you. Having seen Matt Hancock on uh, the television, he was on Sky, an extensive interview. I understand he was on the Andrew Marr programme. So this is just the various in-house parts of, it sounds like the BBC griping because 
their their model as a business isn't working very well and they have been so heavily pushing a propaganda agenda of their own uh, that they have lost the respect not only of their audience but the respect of the government as well. Yeah, but Matt Hancock has been very selective where he does go. Okay, he appeared on the Mar programme on Sunday morning and he said on there that the outbreak could force the UK to effectively shut down cities. Now, we've already seen in China where um, the city of Wuhan has a population several times the size of London, I believe. Now, what we have here is him saying this, but he's being very selective who he gives interviews to and where he goes. And there's a lack of communication is how I would put it. He's not, he's not being as open as he could be about where we are and what we can do. Now, what I would like to see happen, and this has not happened so far, is public information films of the sort we used to see years ago. People of a certain generation older than me, but I've seen the video myself because on YouTube, coughs and sneezes spread diseases. I would like to see on every ad break, on every television program, public information films, telling people not even to cough into their hands, but to cough into their elbows, because coughing into your hand can spread germs, particularly if you're shaking hands, and to be very careful, because I've been on public transport a number of times in the last week or so, and I have seen people coughing and spluttering without putting their hands over their mouths. I think there needs to be, point one, a lot more communication from Matt Hancock, and indeed Boris Johnson's government as a whole, and point two, far more of the, well, there aren't any at the moment, but these sort of public information films everywhere, every ad break on television, on billboard posters, on YouTube adverts, because a lot of young people in particular don't, con uh, don't consume conventional TV anymore, on radio. We need this to be drilled into the public as best we can to contain it. That, I think, is about as far as we can realistically go at the moment. We no longer have a centralised media that people watch. Or listen to. I just yeah, I, don't think that will make a great deal of difference. I ju well, I, I just, I just made that point in effect. But I also said, get the damn thing onto YouTube and the various means, uh, Spotify adverts, for example. There are ways of getting to people, but you've got to have a multi-platform way of doing so. It's no good just relying on conventional television. But I do think this message needs to be drilled into people because we all know we see. 50 years ago, spitting in the street would have been frowned upon. You now see groups of chabs doing that all the time. Well, spitting in the street could be quite dangerous now. Coughing on, on a bus or on a train when there's people around you. Put your mouth over your elbow if you're going to do that. This just isn't happening, is it, at the moment? Uh, no, but um, I do think that the government has intentionally played it down for as long as it could. The last thing that we wanted to start was a panic. I think they've been keeping very much abreast of what's going on. They've been spending their time, instead of showboating around, turning up to every single event, uh, they have been making a point of actually putting services in place. Uh, they were very rapid to respond by uh, providing an entire building for um, isolation with little or no warning. And it's became obvious that they could do this in a number of centres around the country. I think that uh, the organisations, the responsible organisations are talking about this uh, a great deal. They are making most of the points you're saying. Uh, I'm not sure uh, that government input would lead to anything other uh, than the opposition um, in their emasculated condition sneering at what was being done, whatever was done. You and I did a podcast special some weeks ago where 
we both called for restraint and for nobody to panic, but to be vigilant and aware of the situation. We were both on the side of caution and things played out pretty much the way you and I both said it would. Now we're here on the 2nd of March. Cabinet meeting takes place later this morning. And well, the, the figures you gave them at the start, the figures are increasing every day. We know inevitably, quite possibly by the time people are listening to this, certainly by the end of Monday into Tuesday, there will be more cases here in the United Kingdom and well beyond. Therefore, where do you think we will be by, say, the end of the week? What do you think the situation will be? Do you think we would have had to have followed Japan's example and closed all schools down? Do you think that uh, we're due for a busy few weeks in terms of major sporting events in this country? Do you think they'll go ahead? And do you think the NHS will have to put further such centres, such as what we saw in Arrow Park in Wirral, on a much wider basis? Where do you think we'll be by, say, next weekend? I think we'll have various isolation zones, if not up and running, immediately available if there is a marked increase. I actually question whether closing schools is the route to go by because schools are all from an immediate area. Uh, yes, if pupils have had the disease in the school, then yes, it would make sense to close the school for 20 days. I'd say 20 days because there is talk that the virus may well have an incubation of up to 27 days, although most people are talking in terms of 14. If it covers 20 days uh, from a school, pupils in a school having the disease, um, then that will give people the opportunity to uh, self-isolate uh, for a period, hopefully not spreading the disease within the school. But I don't think block closing of schools makes a great deal of sense because it's not school kids who are the ones most greatly at risk. And I don't think we're going to be able to do it without such an immense hit to our economy. Because don't forget, as soon as you've got all the school kids at home, their parents are no longer going to work. I would say that it would make a great deal more sense to shut down all sporting events because they are events where people are moving between communities. And do you think that will happen though? Because just look at the, where we are. I know I'm much more into sport than you are, but just looking at where we are now in the next few weeks, Cheltenham Festival next week, well, that by definition is on the outskirts of Cheltenham. People will largely be going to and from that via public transport because they want to have a good drink when they get there and it's on the outskirts of town. So it's mainly rail transport and coach transport that's getting them there. Uh, Six Nations rugby, well, very obviously we know what the situation is there with people commuting between the Six Nations who are taking part. Premier League football every weekend pretty much now and other things besides going on. You think those sort of things, I'm afraid, should be either stopped completely or played behind closed doors. Is that what you're saying? I think that it would make a great deal of sense to scrap the first of the Six Nations this year and say it is not in people's interest to spread this disease around in any shape, manner or form. Cheltenham Festival as well? I think uh, festivals like the Cheltenham Festival, uh, I think there should be great caution as to whether it goes ahead. 
just as with large race meetings, football games, really they are pretty small beer when it comes to spreading this disease. And what about theatres then? You know, theatres that have got maybe a thousand, two thousand capacity, people mingling in the bar area, people sitting in close proximity, somebody I behind think, you, someone in well, front. Well, I'm not going to any. And I think that the public, um, with a bit of common sense, will be regulating them themselves. I don't think we're going to need government regulation on it because anybody with any common sense will be avoiding such events. To finish off, the best thing we can all do for now is take responsibility for our personal behaviour. Wash hands thoroughly and regularly, avoid touching our faces, and contain coughs and sneezes in the inside of our elbows. We'll obviously keep a close eye on the situation and return to it in future podcasts, but for now, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>